When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this episode, we talk about the Michigan baseball team's heartbreaking and controversial loss in the NCAA tournament, some football recruiting news, and what might become of the men's basketball roster. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, going to be talking with you here Tuesday, June 7th uh, in the morning. Uh, We will start with the baseball team. Their season is over. Uh, it ended in the NCAA tournament yesterday on Monday. Uh, I guess for for those you know listeners who only get their Michigan athletics news from this podcast, I guess we can update from where we left off, which is in the NCAA regional in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Michigan beat Oregon. Uh, they beat Louisville, so they're they're in great position. They're up. You know they've they've won their two game first two games. Louisville then you know goes to the losers bracket, but they beat Oregon. Um, you know to get a you know, rematch with Michigan uh, and they win, they win that game on Sunday, 20 to one. And then that sets up a, a winner take all, you know, yesterday uh, to move on, to move on to the super regional and Louisville wins that game 11, uh, nine, but that's, I mean, that's just, that's just the end. That's a, that's the, the most important fact, but so much uh, happened le- leading up to that, that we'll get into here. Uh, I'll just break it down real quick before I send it to Zook. Michigan goes up to nothing uh, right away. Top of the first, Louisville comes back with a seven spot in the bottom of the inning, all with two outs. Uh, Michigan hits a home run uh, in the third to make it seven, three. And that's when we have a uh, delay, um, you know, weather, rain and lightning um, in, in the third inning. Um, but when we come back, Michigan's able to tie the game uh, at seven in the fifth on a pair of home runs um, and take the lead in the six, nine, seven. But then it started to fall apart for Michigan in the eighth. Again, another two-out rally, two outs. Louisville hasn't scored yet. Michigan's still up two runs. And a you know some tough calls on ball strikes, uh, calls at, at home plate, and then a play at second base where it looked like maybe the runner was out. He's called safe. It's upheld by review. Um, and the floodgates open from there. Louisville scores four runs. They go up 11-9, and Michigan cannot score in the top of the ninth, and that's how it ends. Yeah, pretty, uh, absolutely wild game. Um, I mean, don't even you forget about the rain delay too. Like it was just it just an insane regional final, and yeah, I mean the balls and strikes. I mean there was there was missed balls and strikes on both sides all game, and that that happens all the time in in college baseball, college softball. So I mean that that you you it's hard to be upset with, but I mean if you're a Michigan fan, you have you have to be pretty upset about that that upheld call because. It definitely looks on replay that the the tag was applied before 
the the runner was able to touch second base. But again, like the replay angles they were showing, they were pl- pretty blurry when they zoomed in. Yeah, and like you needed. I feel like you need an angle from like the pitcher's mound to see because it's tough to see when exactly his hand touched the bag. It definitely looked like the tag was applied before then, but it was just a weird angle. And the rule states it has to be clear and conclusive evidence. And with the, the blurriness and the angle there, there was a little bit of ambiguity there. So it's like, I mean, you definitely think that it's just a tough break for, for Michigan, but you would hope that they would have a, a different angle to kind of show uh, that he was tagged out, but a tough, tough call for, for Michigan. And then, yeah, the two batters later, pimped out two-run home run that I don't still don't think has landed. I mean, that was an absolute moonshot. And after that, it's like, man, that's going to be tough to, to bounce back in, in the ninth. And, and Michigan got a leadoff double in the ninth, too, but wasn't able to to capitalize. Had, had a, run, or a, a, a Jimmy Overtop, who had a three-run home run in the game, worked a 3-0 count. But then the, the pitcher bounced back to strike him out. And after that, it's like, mm, it's going to be tough. So, yeah, go ahead, Aaron. No, I, I was just going to say the throw looked like it. It certainly beat the runner, but in this day and age of replay, like you said, it, it, like the slow, the sl- the further it got slowed down, it was it was close. And 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 you know, with with replay, everything needs to be conclusive to overturn a decision. And the the umps felt like it was inconclusive. Um, and I, I tend to agree. You know, it looked close, like you said, it was tough to tell. Um, and it was tough to tell. And if there's question marks, then you know, officials and referees and umpires are hesitant to overturning it. Um, so it was it was a tough break for Michigan. They played well. They battled back. It, it was the theme of the weekend. I mean, not theme of the weekend. They, they played well all weekend. They hit the ball well, and and it wasn't wasn't like uncharacteristic of them. They hit the ball well all season long. But they got timely pitching, and they got enough pitching. Um, and you thought they were going to make a run. It looked like they were going to make a run. I mean, they needed to win what one of those final two games. Couldn't do it. Um, it was, but it was it was a pretty it was an entertaining weekend of college baseball. Not just Michigan across the board. It was it was fun to watch some of these games. The yeah, the play at second. I mean, there was probably some conjecture involved as far as you you couldn't the, the runner's fingers seemed to bend back as you know as the glove. You would think that it was the glove doing that, but you really couldn't see that it was the glove. So I guess you could have a theory where he just did that on his own with his fingers. He he spread them and pushed them back. Would have been the first player I've ever seen to do that. But um, it, so that's the thing. It seems like those fingers get pushed back by the glove, and that's certainly before he hits hits the base but i guess it just goes back to can you be can you be certain that it's the glove that did that bottom line if the umpire called them out on the field it for sure would have upheld as an out call as well so it was just a matter of what was called on the field probably would have been upheld either way i uh, just unfortunate for michigan that it was an out call on the field um and but hey it all started with a two-out walk so yep. uh again you're, you're the Cameron Weston had retired eight in a row and, and then and then walks a guy with two outs and kind of the floodgates open there. And then the guy that hit a double, I mean, that hit it was almost a two-run homer anyway. So they were making some pretty hard contact in that inning. But yeah, with, with that relay and, and how quickly they got it in, that would have been a huge momentum builder for, for Michigan to get that out and, and take the two-run lead into the ninth inning. You know, I, this team deserves a lot of credit for, I mean, what they, of course, they needed to win the Big Ten tournament. Um, they did that. Um, you know, and then they, they go on the road for the regional, um, and you know, they just, they really did never quit. I mean, you know, you lose 20 to one <laughs> to a team and you got to play them the next day. That's gotta be a little, uh, you know, disheartening, but you know, they, and then they fall down seven to two after one inning and they, and they battle back from that. So there's like no doubt in my mind, 
um, that they could have come back even there in the ninth, you know, after as, as dispiriting as that the bottom of that eighth was, um, you know, the, the team just, they, they, they didn't quit. Um, but in the end, you know, they come up a little bit short and their, their season ends. Yeah, that, that rain delay, I think, definitely benefited Michigan to, mm-hmm. to regroup a little bit. Uh, Louisville starter was had to be taken out of the game after an over-hour delay. Uh, kind of like a little bit of a reset button for the Wolverines. And, that, yeah, I mean, hit four home runs in the game. Uh, <laughs> they were they're hitting the ball pretty hard. And, yeah, when, when they took that two-run lead, it, it's like, wow, it's, this would be a pretty remarkable comeback. And, and a lot of similarities to that 2019 run when no one expected them to – to even be in the tournament and, and then they just went on a crazy run in the NCAA tournament and yeah just four outs away from from advancing to a super regional for the second time in three years and uh just came up a, a little bit short so that that's a wrap on uh on the baseball team season uh and yeah there's not um that's it's kind of in a way it's kind of shifts you to now this this quiet time of you know Michigan athletics and maybe even looking a little bit closer to to football season starting in the fall. So with that, um, we'll talk a little bit, uh, a little recruiting. Um, I think the biggest news right now is uh, that CJ Carr, uh, the number 24 overall prospect, according to the 24-7 sports composite rankings in the 2024 class, uh, not the 2023 class, the 2024 class, and the fifth best QB in that class uh, is announcing his uh, college decision uh, this Thursday. Um, CJ Carr, if that last name sounds familiar, it's because he is the grandson of former Michigan coach Lloyd Carr. Uh, but apparently this is not a uh, slam dunk for for Michigan. Uh, a lot of people feel that um, you know Michigan's among his finalists, but so is Notre Dame. And a lot of people feel that's where this is heading. Um, I don't know. I think I think the average person might look at that and see the connection and say, this is this is a terrible look for Michigan. How do they not get uh, you know, the grandson of, of one of their former longtime coaches, but maybe there's a little more to it than that. Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, like CJ said early in his recruitment that, Hey, look, I'm not going to let the, my family's legacy at Michigan affect my decision. I'm going to build my own relationships, make this my own recruitment and make my own decision. And, and I respect him for that. So yeah, I mean, he, he's garnered a ton of offers from power, from power programs across the country. And yeah, I mean, Michigan's been in the running for, for a while, but I mean, you, you, you look at what Notre Dame has done under Marcus smart in the 2023 cycle, they have the number one overall class in the country and they already have a couple top Marcus Freeman. Pros- oh yeah. Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Marcus, what am I you got I NBA mean, finals they, on your mind. Yeah. Too much NBA. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they have a lot of recruiting momentum right now. And quite frankly, Michigan does not. So, I, I mean, it's not official yet, but if he does pick Notre Dame, you can't really fault the, the guy for, for making his own decision and, and building his own relationships and, and trying to carve out his own legacy. This is a tricky spot because Michigan's kind of like when it comes to legacy recruits, everyone kind of automatically assumes they end up, they're going to end up going to the school where their father or their grandfather or whatever played or coached. So if you lose out out on the recruit, in this case, CJ Carr, it just looks bad because you're just, you know, you're supposed to get the person. Um, But in reality, especially nowadays with with NIL and kids, um, you know, choosing to kind of, you know, chart their own path and oftentimes going out of the state or out of their territory to go to a school um, that they like, um, it's become more commonplace. So it, it would not surprise me if CJ Carr picks Notre Dame or some other school this week. 
Um, make no mistake, it would be a blow because Michigan has been recruiting him hard for the last couple of years. They, they, you know, they offer him a scholarship pretty early on. Um, you know, he, he lives right down the road. You know, he knows all the stories. You know, he has the legacy thing, and I think that has to work in his favor. Um, you know, with NIL. But, you know, it's his decision and, and it's going to be an interesting one made. And it's also important to point out too, whatever school he announces this Thursday, is it necessarily going to be the one he ends up at? I mean, there's still a long way to go from a recruiting perspective. And by the time he, you know, he signs his NLI. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the, it doesn't look good for Michigan at this point. They are, they are finalists. They're probably one of the final what, one or two, three. Um, but yeah, all signs certainly point to Notre Dame at this point, which is going to be fascinating to watch play out. And if in fact he ends up, you know, uh, signing with Notre Dame. Great point about the time be between now and, and signing. But the, the other factor is the, you know, other quarterbacks. I mean, quarterback is a unique position. Only one guy can be on the field at the, at a time <laughs> at that spot. So they do look at, you know, other guys being re- recruited, maybe more so than other positions and even other guys in different years. Uh, and, you know, Michigan does not have a quarterback commit yet for 2023, if I'm not mistaken, but you know, that they're after some guys, including, you know, Dante Moore is a name I see pop up a lot, uh, you know, a Detroit kid um, who's, you know, another five star. So that could that factor in as well. Uh, It could, but now, I mean, it's, it almost becomes like Dante Moore is a must land for Michigan because according to 24 seven sports, that Moore is one of three quarterback offers Michigan has extended in the 2023 class. And the other two guys are already committed elsewhere. So it's like Michigan's putting all their eggs in this basket, but like Carr, Moore is attracting attention from schools across the country and will not be an easy recruitment to win. So this, I mean, they're still going to recruit CJ Carr. It's not, they're not going to just, all right, oh, he's off the board now. We'll, we'll, put all of our attention elsewhere. So it's not over yet, but it, it could be a big blow. I know Michigan has offered a lot more guys in that 2024 class. Um, I mean, even just this past weekend, they had the the number two overall um, quarterback commit in that or quarterback uh, in the 2024 class visit to Michigan. So um, that is Jaden Davis from North Carolina. Uh, number two overall national recruit as well. So a high five-star kind of guy. Um, so yeah, they have nine offers extended. Seven of them are top 200 guys. So they're definitely looking elsewhere for a quarterback too. It's not the end of the world, but Michigan needs to land. They can't go two cycles without with striking out on, on some of their top targets. So um, a lot a lot of pressure on Michigan for, in the quarterback position here. I mean, you can always throw the transfer portal route, portal route, but you would like to develop some of these, these top, talented high school guys and, and build a build a program around so we'll see what happens folks may have forgotten about this but Dante Moore is another guy that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have been after for a very long time you know Jim offered, first offer in like eighth grade Jim seventh grade Jim offered seventh him grade. back in 2018 as a seventh grader and it, it made headlines at that point it was a big deal because you know middle schoolers were fielding offers but it, it that was rare for Jim Harbaugh and just Michigan program to throw an offer out like that but Jim was very he was very intrigued by Dante early on he liked his athleticism and his arm and he, he liked everything about him um so he's been in on him for a very long time um now that's that just because you offer a kid first doesn't you know obviously necessarily necessarily you know put you in the running and when when push comes to shove but for him to be an elite quarterback and given Jim Harbaugh's pedigree at the position and him being an in-state kid and everything else, uh, and the fact that they are, you know, they are considered a finalist for him, they need to land him or him or CJ. They, they need to come up with one of these guys. And if not, 
um, it, it's hard to spin it positively. I mean, you, you've got to recruit some top tier uh, quarterbacks. Jim's, you know, track record so far, you know, during his time here has been a little, little checkered. Um, it, it, you got to land one. I mean, it, 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 he got JJ. They're still waiting, obviously, on him to, to play that out with the quarterback position. But the future, they, they need another like JJ McCarthy. And, and you know, if you whiff on both of these, um, you know, it, it's you know, it's 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 tough. I know we've got some other football news to discuss. Is there any recruiting uh, topics you want to you want to hit on uh, outside of the the quarterback spot? Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about this uh, last week. I mean, June is a, a huge month for for Michigan to to try and build some momentum. So the first visit weekend of, of the month was last week, and they only had a couple guys in, in town on officials, uh, two four-star defensive backs, uh, Daniel Harris out of Dover Prep in Florida, and then uh, Jordan Matthews from from Baton Rouge. Uh, two, yeah, two defensive backs, and, and that I don't think Michigan is near the top of their list uh but hey they're they're down on campus and are going to continue to work at them but starting june 10th weekend and june 17th weekend there's going to be a lot of guys in in uh in ann arbor and michigan's going to try to roll out the red carpet try and fortify some relationships that that maybe were damaged a little bit during the offseason a lot of offseason turnover on the coaching on jim harbaugh's coaching staff again so Mission needs to start building something here because, yeah, only six commits right now, uh, a class that ranks outside the top 20, and a lot of the, the Wolverines' rivals are doing pretty well on the recruiting trail. So uh, a pivotal month for the Wolverines, and we'll see if they can end a little bit of a drought here because they haven't landed any commitments since March. So um, it's it's starting to get to, to crunch time here. Not only was there turnover on his staff, but it's important to point out Jim Harbaugh almost left. Yes. Uh, now you can take him at his word and say that, you know, if him saying he's not, you know, he's done with the NFL and he's not going to go there. Um, but I have to think if you recruit and your recruits parents, you, that, you know, that gives you so, some pause. Uh, so yeah, they've, they've got some things to figure out this week, this, this month, it's going to be huge. Um, you know, I, they, I think they need to land some commitments by the 4th of July weekend. We'll see. Um, but they need some momentum and they got an opportunity here the next, you know, next couple of weeks to try and try and get some. Aaron, you recently spoke to Jim Harbaugh. Yes, he appeared at a camp, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. What did he have to say? Yeah, he was in a good mood. It was last week at the uh, the Fair State camp where they kind of attract all these big name uh, head coaches. James Franklin from Penn State was there. PJ Fleck was there. You know, Eastern, Western, Central was were well represented. Jim Harbaugh was there as well. Um, gave his little three or four minute spiel. Um, you know, told the, uh, the youngsters that, uh, if they're, if they're doing something good, keep, keep it up kind of, you know, very similar tone of what he told us during the spring, uh, what he told the Michigan players, you know, keep, keep doing you keep, keep improving, get a little better. And that was kind of his message. Um, afterwards he talked to us, uh, the reporters for about 15, 20 minutes. He seemed he was a good mood. Uh, you know, we asked him about, a, a, a you know, breadth of topics and being one of them. Uh, I, th- I thought I thought his answer was fascinating. We wrote about it kind of kind uh, last week, and I'm live stories up there. But you know, I, I asked him specifically how much he he had been hearing about NIL on the recruiting trail when he walked into homes, and you know what he was hearing. He said he was hearing a lot of it, um, but he cautioned he didn't know how much of it was accurate, which I think is fascinating because you know we've been hearing all these stories about kids potentially landing six figure deals, maybe seven figure deals, um, but a lot of it just hasn't you know come out. Um, you know, publicly. So Jim, Jim seems a little caught, uh, you know, cautious about, about all that. He says he wants Michigan to be a transformational experience for a uh, football player, not transactional. 
uh, which I think is fascinating because on the same day, I mean, there's a story up at our sister site, cleveland.com from the guys who cover Ohio state, but earlier that day, literally that same day, Ryan day was in Columbus, Ohio, talking to business folks, telling him, telling them that Ohio state football program needed $13 million to try and uh, lure some of the big time recruits and some of their current players next year. Because I think uh, the way day explained it, which I thought was fascinating and very eye opening is they're anticipating a lot of their top guys enter the transfer portal every single year to see what type of offers they can field elsewhere. Uh, so it's going to be a fascinating, um, you know, uh, next couple of years. I think Day said he expects things to be ironed out from a national perspective in two to three years. But for now, you know, these NIL deals are big, are are important to some of these top recruits. Um, and, and Jim Harbaugh basically confirmed that to us. He said he was hearing a lot of it, um, and it remains unclear how Michigan is trying to. You know, get inroads there. Uh, it's, I guess another topic for another day. But it was it was a fascinating discussion. Jim, Jim uh, pretty was pretty you know open and uh, talking about the t- on the subject. And then a lot of these players have been having camps too. I see. And I wanted to ask you, like, in the last two years, you kind of got to throw out because of COVID or whatever. But let's go back to say the summer of 2019. Were this many players involved in camps, or is this an NIL thing? Yeah, not nearly as many. You'd see an occasional one. You know, someone maybe would go back to their hometown and have one, and it, mm-hmm. it, but it wasn't a weekly thing. I felt like now you're right. It, it's been happening almost every weekend. You know, last month I think I went out to Paw Paw, um, out near Battle Creek, where Carson Barnhart, Michigan's offensive lineman, was from. He held his own thing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Donovan Edwards went back to West Bloomfield High School, held a camp. JJ McCarthy did a camp in Chicago. So yeah, it's starting to become more of a thing. Um, you know, guys are going out there. Sometimes they're doing it for free. Um, and, and since over the weekend here in Ann Arbor, um, you know, the Tough Foundation, founded by former Michigan linebacker Adam Shibley and a couple other guys, they held a a free camp that where none of the guys weren't getting paid and they were just kind of showing up to, out of the uh, goodness of their heart. But in some of these cases, yes, these guys are making money. They're they're profiting off these things. Um, at the same time, helping and in, in getting involved with the youth. So yeah, it's certainly become more of a thing. I suspect it's going to continue. Uh, especially for some of these big name guys. I mean, like, you know, like a JJ or Donovan Edwards or, you know, whoever it is, um, they can make a few bucks from a camp in the summer. You know, why not? All right. Yeah. So what, what other, uh, uh, I mean, I saw Ronnie Bell headline. I mean, a little more optimism about, you know, his, his ability to return and help the team in the fall. Yeah. He says he's been cleared to return to practice. He did not practice during the spring. He was still being kind of held out while he was uh, recovering from his torn ACL. Uh, he says he's good to go. Uh, he says he's able to practice and take hits and everything else. Now he hasn't taken a hit yet since that uh, that punt return that injured him last year in week one. Um, but he's looking back. He said he's looking looking forward to getting back out there and, and playing again. You know, he he says he feels like he's um, back to normal, maybe even in better shape than he was pre-injury. Obviously, time will tell with that. And I'm really curious to see how his speed and his you know his, his acceleration looks. ACLs, you never know. You know, some some guys are never the same afterwards. Some are just fine. So. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. You know, he says he's he's ready to get back out there. Uh, he says he's open to returning punts again. Um, you know, we have a story up on MLive.com. I think I published yesterday. Um, but I think the illuminating comments out of his of the interview we had with him was that you know he doesn't blame anyone for the injury. You know, folks were critical. You might recall afterwards of Jim Harbaugh and the coaching staff using him on the punt return. He he says you know if you're gonna blame anyone, blame me because I'm the one that won the job and I'm the one that wanted to do it. Uh, and, and he says he'd be willing to do it again. You know, he said if they ask him to do it, he's he's going to go out there. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time. He did it in high school, uh, so it's it's a um, position he, he thinks he's very good at, and he's, he's going to continue. In addition to uh, to receiver, who 
you know, I think Michigan, it became apparent last year when we talked about this, I felt like ad nauseum every week, but Michigan needed that playmaking receiver up until maybe Andrew Anthony at Michigan state week, they didn't really have one. So I, I think if, even if, if Ronnie looks maybe like 90% of what he was before the injury, I, I think they, I think they've got one. It's going to be a help to Michigan's, I think, passing game. All right. Well, to kind of wrap up where we uh, left off with uh, the Michigan men's basketball roster since our, our last episode, Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston uh, did, in fact, stay in the NBA draft. Um, you know, no no major announcements from them with Diabate. It was, you know, I don't know, his handler who was in France. I mean, it's, I messaged him. He's like, yep, he's staying in the draft. Okay. Caleb Houston was... Uh, you know, through, through Michigan, they just, you know, put out a, a tweet and he's staying in the draft, um, you know, which is, which is perfectly fine. It's just different than somehow how some other guys do it. I mean, Franz Wagner last year, you know, had a thousand word letter he put on, you know, the player's tribune kind of uh, describing his, his uh, decision and, and his t- time in Michigan. But, you know, when you only have one year at Michigan, it's a, it's a little different. So, they're they're gone. Um, certainly, some you know frustration. I wrote about this for M Live. You know, from from some fans feeling like you know they had they are both one and duns, but you know not all one and duns are created equal equally. And while they started for Michigan, it's like you know I don't know. Neither of them were the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. You know, or all Big Ten. You know, even third team or honorable mention. Um, you know, they weren't like carrying the team. So it was just I think there's some frustration that they didn't you know just unfulfilled. Um, you know, potential untapped potential at, at that that won't won't be seen at, at Michigan. But uh, you know, going forward, it means that there's you know now a couple open scholarship spots, and you know you lose four of the five starters from the team, and and you know a lot of guys from the rotation. Uh, it's Hunter Dickinson, and then a, a lot of unproven guys. So uh, yeah, they could they could hit the transfer portal. Um, you know, I wrote about it last week. A bunch of names uh, since then. Uh, you've actually had some more guys enter, uh, you know, because as a grad transfer, that deadline doesn't really seem to apply. Um, the uh, you've had some guys that I that I listed, you know, commit elsewhere, and then you had a couple guys that I, I may have just just missed. <laughs> to be honest, um, you know, there's over I think I saw some like six thousand guys in it still, so uh, uh, it's hard to uh, it's hard to keep track of all these guys. But um, yeah, there's uh, there's there's, you know, Pete Nance from Northwestern is certainly a, you, you'd think would be a, a perfect fit for Michigan. Um, but there's others too, um, you know, that I, that I listed and then some that I didn't like Joey Baker from, uh, Duke, um, and, uh, Jacob Grandison from, from Illinois. So there's, there's, there's possibilities, um, you know, if Michigan wants to add some guys, but you know, they, they might not, they, they definitely might not. And just kind of sit with their, their roster and, um, not tinker with it anymore. So we'll see. I hear there's a guy named Amani Bates still in the transfer portal. There's also Amani <laughs> Bates. He's still out there. I mean, geez, a former, you know, number one recruit in this class uh, is, is available. Uh, you know, I, I have no reason to change what I initially, you know, said here, which was that I didn't think there was mutual interest from Michigan. Um, you know, they have the spots now, uh, you know, have some need at that kind of position, but uh, you know, I think there's always there's always a little more to it than that. Um, so if they do add, I still don't think it will be him. Um, but we'll see. He has not announced where he's going yet. Let's just say there's a lot of baggage that comes with Imani Bates if you bring him on. 
from right. outside. I mean, you, not even from him, but just his camp and the the hoopla and the hype and everything else. And I, I, don't, I mean, I'm not speaking for Michigan, but if I was a coach, I don't. You know, you, you gotta you gotta consider whether you want something like some someone like him with the hype and all the extracurriculars that come with it uh, on the team. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that uh, that kind of wraps up this episode of Wolverine Confidential. Stay tuned for more coverage on MLive.com/slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.